everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a Senior Director of Valuation Services at CFGI. And this is the show where we dig a little deeper to understand what really matters most in business. So if you're a business owner or a business executive, and you've got an advisory team around you, a lot of times it's internal people, and they share the same mindset, if you will. Uh, oftentimes, business leaders benefit from getting some outside advice. And today, my guest is here to talk about just that concept. And I'm pleased to welcome Candida Tocha Sisak, who is the founder and CEO of eLab, Executive Leaders for Advisory Boards. Candida, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Good morning. Great to see you, as always. And it's not raining. Yeah, right. Go figure. <laughs> um, before we jump into our, our deeper dive discussion, mm -hmm. you've got a very interesting background as both. Uh, a member of corporate America, as well as an entrepreneur, I think that uniquely qualifies you for what we're about to talk about. So would you share with our audience a little bit about your background, please? Um, my background, I guess, is very simple and complicated. I worked for corporate America. I worked for several of the accounting firms, several corporations. And every time I lost a job or took a package, I started a company. So um, in this company I've had for 15 years, uh, it's probably been the nicest decision I made in my career because I'm able to support and help companies along, you know, along the uh, East Coast, uh, help them grow, uh, give them advice, and uh, which caused me to then build um, Executive Leaders for Advisory Board. So, and I've had several titles from CFO to CIO to um, uh, just plain VP. Yeah, so you, like I said, you bring a lot of different yeah. perspectives to the table that is somewhat unique, I think. So let's jump into ELAB, Executive Leaders for Advisory Boards. What exactly is that? It's a group of uh, um, highly um, acclaimed leaders in our community. They're either in the C-suite or they own a company they own several companies that want to really support and help um, companies in our area, in the um, Philadelphia, greater Philadelphia area, uh, companies that are mid-market to small market, uh, with their growth, with their stability, with their financial security, with employee culture, all of that that builds a company and take it forward. I think the small companies and the mid-sized companies are the least served. Entrepreneurs have all kinds of networks. I think small companies, mid-sized companies, um, need to be solid because they are what keeps the economy going when the economy, the economy or large companies buy and sell themselves going. Yeah, true. Yeah. Let, let's make a definitional discussion here first. What's the difference between an advisory board and a board of directors, for example? And a board of director is governance, uh, it's fiduciary, it's liability. Uh, public companies need to have it. Uh, any company that's incorporated has a board of director, but it's usually the owners of the company. Um, a board of advisors is uh, chosen uh, the, of the four pillars of the business, the finance, the operations, sales, marketing, human resource, that will be part of your private advisors. You probably couldn't hire, if you were a mid-sized company, mm -hmm. you couldn't hire these people to be part of your company because of where they are in their career and their leadership. But they can be part of your advisory board for a stipend and they can help you think outside of the day-to-day -day stuff you do as a CEO. And there's a whole process to building an advisory board and the members that are going to sit there that support your company. They're culturally matched to themselves. 
because that's important that they all get along and understand the company's uh, mission and vision. And they're also uh, matched to the owner of the company and the whole culture of the company and whatever, the comp whatever industry the company is in. Yeah. So would you recommend that if a company has a board of directors that they still would need an advisory board? There are several large companies in this area that I know of um, that have board of directors, full uh, board of directors with everything that needs to go with it. And the CEO has his own advisory board um, um, of uh, people that he's known, he or she has known, but basically can give an opinion because it's not the best friend. Mm -hmm. So it's open opinion yeah, and conversation. You alluded to the process of putting together the advisory board. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what it entails? For me, the way I built advisory board, and I've sat on board of directors, I've built nonprofit board of directors, um, and then a client of mine asked me to, six years ago, to build their advisory board, and I realized pretty fast that the cultural match uh, was very important. Yeah. So I look for members that are in specific fields, um, they don't have to be in the same industry that the client is in. They have to understand it, obviously. And, it, and most anyone might have gone across industries. So I, I choose very carefully uh, with the owner of the company who's going to be the CFO on there. Sometimes it's their accounting firm. Um, who's going to be the, uh, the COO um, that's going to basically support and help and understand operations of that company. And then um, sometimes HR, human capital, succession planning type person, and then marketing and sales because they're the pillars of a business. Um, usually if the advisory board runs a year or two, we'll bring in an industry expert that only has been in that industry all their lives and have either the connections, the knowledge, the leadership to um, maybe reinvent a product, reinvent a process, whatever it is. Yeah, so the advisory board, it's not just filling seats at a table, if you will, where no. there's a deficiency in the org chart, let's say. Correct. Uh, it's, it's a different build than a board of directors. Totally different build. Yeah. yeah. What inspired you to create eLab? I, in August of 2014, I sent an email out to 30 um, friends, and I said, this is what I like to do. I think there is a need in the market I don't think there will be anything like it. Uh, there's all kinds of groups. There's Vista, just C2. They're all peer groups, and they're all very valuable to any uh, executive in a company. Uh, I said, but this is what I really would like to do. And I got 30 answers, yes, when? I said, how about October? <laughs> so this was August, and I said, how about October? I figured I needed a month to think it out. And uh, so I built it, and, and they came to the meetings, and. Uh, we took it from there. So we've been around since 2014, or you could say almost five years this October, or five years this October, um, and we've evolved. Great. Look into the camera if you would and tell people mm -hmm. how they can contact you if they want to learn more about you and how eLab can benefit their organization. eLab has a website. Unlike my own personal business, it does not. I'm only on LinkedIn. It's under Executive Leaders for Advisory Board. Um, or eLab for short. My phone number is 609-471-1188. That is my mobile, and I live on it, and I've had the same number for 20 years. But eLab itself has its own phone number and its own email. Uh, but if you um, have difficulties, just 
text me, 609-471-1188. And they can also find you on LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn, yes. So, and there's only one of me on LinkedIn, <laughs> so it can't be that hard. <laughs> so, so just to help refine our, our viewers' um, thinking on who is a good fit, who might work with you, are there typical size businesses, uh, geographies, we, industries, things like that? That's a superb question. We launched in eLab uh, executive, um, Growth Company Catalyst. Um, and what it is is we bring in uh, mid-sized to small companies to present uh, we sent out the email to our, to our advisors, we call them advisors, not members, yeah. and the ones that feel they can help this company will come to the meeting, but not more than eight. It's usually a breakfast meeting, the company will present, we'll give them ad hoc advice. Mm -hmm. They have the right to choose any members as their advisor or um, part of the, or build their own advisory board. It doesn't have to go through me. Um, ELAB is, is a not-for-profit, so therefore we're not taking any funds from any members that gets hired by any company that we bring in to give advice to. So who's in the room? Who's at the table when there's a, an eLab meeting with management? Who's, who's represented on the company side, typically? You mean when we do growth company catalyst? Yeah, or if you're doing a, a regular update meeting, uh, you're working we with a client company. Six who, who's there besides a the CEO? If you're talking about eLab, we meet six times a year, and okay. that's more to take the take it forward and then to have different speakers on um, um, on processes and whatever leadership okay. things we need to talk about. Um, are you talking about who's going to be at a board meeting yeah. with an advisor? Yeah. A company that builds an advisory board. They have the advisory board. Yes. I would imagine the CEO Usually is in the room. Who else is there from the, the company? The CEO chairs, uh, in, my, in my, the way I built it, the CEO chairs, I'm really the, they call me the voice of reason because I'm not really the governance chairs because I'm not a board of directors. Um, usually there is the, the CFO of uh, the outside CFO, um, the, CEO, uh, the an outside COO operations, right. sales and marketing, um, and um, human capital succession planning type person. And then on a regular basis, we bring in the company's uh, senior leadership to present uh, and this is after a process. So they will come in and present and talk about what they're, how they're taking their department forward, the problems they see, like a SWAT type of thing. Yeah. And then we will give them some ad hoc advice, but then when the person leaves, we talk to the CEO about how they need to advance in certain areas. Yeah, would you find that the management team is pretty receptive to these outside voices? Yes, uh, again, I'm gonna go back to what I do because to me, taking a company forward is an evolution not a revolution. So they understand that I'm, if I'm hired by a company, I'm not there to let go of people. I'm there to make it more uh, profitable, uh, advanced, uh, the human element in the company, uh, make sure they're delighted about coming to work. So I'm not there to relieve people. I'm there to build a better uh, position for them. Um, and I know I talk about toxic employees, good toxic and non-toxic, and that's a whole different topic, but... Yeah, we'll get yeah. into that after the break. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely do that. And right. what you just spoke to, the, the kinds of things that you do, I happen to know you personally and professionally, and I know that that brings you personal joy. Uh, what other things give you satisfaction in, in, in doing the work that you do? Um, when I can take a company from X numbers of dollars 
and in two or three years they move up 30, 40, 50 percent or 100 percent. When I see employees that kind of were heads down but now are part of the company and they're helping to build it forward, carry it forward, um, many times I find employees that hide within themselves because they're not, uh, they're not the noisemakers in the company, but they're actually very good as the company evolves forward. When I see the satisfaction of that, the employee satisfaction of being vital to the company, they're just coming to work. Yeah, that's a great spot to take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere, and you don't go anywhere either. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers with Candida Seesock. We're talking advisory boards today. Don't go anywhere. What does it take to strengthen our service members? What does it take to let them know that we stand behind them, wherever they are? What does it take to bridge the distance and keep them connected to family, home, and country? And what does it take to prepare them for their future when their service to the nation is complete? What does it take to strengthen our service members so they can be the greatest force for good in the world? It takes a force. Be a force behind the forces. Share a message today at force.uso.org. I want to be a contender. I want a warm belly to sleep on. A big house. How do I look? Do, do I look good? I want to play hard. My nails done. Once a month. I want. I want. I want a home. I just want a home. I want someone to love. Last year, more than 30,000 companion animals came to us without homes. 20,000 of them were felines. Let's make some homes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and my guest today is Candida Seesock, the CEO of eLab, Executive Leaders for Advisory Boards. And we're talking about the importance of outside advice for business owners and CEOs. And I want to jump into the numbers, if you will. The show's called Behind the Numbers, and we spend a lot of time doing that. But um, our audience likes to understand that there really is an ROI on some of these things that we talk about. And I know that you can demonstrate that. But talk a little bit, if you will, before we get into the actual results. The kinds of strategies and things that an advisory board can bring to an organization that they just can't get holistically with their internal teams. As we talked about, each advisor has is a leader in their own company. And um, or if they're entrepreneurs, they led many companies. They bring a wealth of knowledge that, one, you don't read about because they've been through it. It's uh, conversation kinds of things. They can help you with strategically planning how and keep you on course on the strategy, the approach and the tactics as you grow your company. They see things that um, you normally don't if you're in your company and you're, you're in, the, in, in the weeds, as they say. Um, they bring, and, and because it's an advisory board, they talk freely about what you should do or not do and they help you build that cultural, cultural and financial security. Because if, if the employees are not happy, if the culture is not solid, 
if we are not all going in the same directions, um, then it breaks down. And if it breaks down, you don't get the financial security, you don't, and the employees don't feel secure. Employees start to leave. It takes a lot to replace. And you start to lose the meaning of the culture and the business, the products, and everything that we all have to think about to go forward with it. Yeah, and that affects the numbers. And I've seen companies uh, basically, um, I've seen it break down in some areas where um, employees were not looked at as being the most important thing to a CEO. Uh, and I've seen the CEO change and realize that that is very important. Um, I've seen many changes. I've also seen companies sold, not in the best of ways, and companies sold in the best of ways. Um, I've seen succession planning work well when it's planned in a logical time frame, and all of it because the advisors bring this knowledge that you might not have as the CEO. Yeah. Even CEOs that have bought and sold several companies have their own advisors because everything needs to keep you on course, and that's what gets you to the, the best finishing line, if you will. Yeah, a lot to unpack in, in what you just shared there. Um, communication, honesty, um, somebody who's external but doesn't have the, we'll call it internal baggage, that can hold a business owner accountable. Mm -hmm. You also talked about employees and culture and how that's all connected, and uh, that's kind of a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I don't know if the audience is, is completely aware, but uh, Candida is also a collaborator in a book called The New ROI, Return on Individuals. And I know that um, you collaborated on a chapter about toxic employees. Mm -hmm. Can you expound a little bit on the toxic employees and how they negatively impact an organization? Although, ironically, toxic employees generally uh, outperform other employees. <laughs> So, yeah, I think you're correct there. The toxic employee, um, in my life experience, has been someone in the company that might have the owner's ears. They've been there a long time. They've been there from the beginning, but they don't want change. And that can cause a tremendous amount of challenges. Um, a toxic employee could be agreeing everything in a meeting, but outside the meeting, they are basically negating um, what's been agreed to upon the meeting, and they do it sublimately. I call it sublimital seduction. Yeah. Um, and that could really hurt a company, and unless the CEO understands that that employee might have been great at the beginning of the growth of the company, and now that they're 20, 30 million, it's not working anymore. And there's always a place for someone um, that's been with you from the beginning. It depends if that person wants to retool themselves. And then there's the good toxic. Everything is always so positive, but they don't do any of their work. <laughs> so it's the balance of that and the employees that actually march to the drum of the growth of the company. Yeah. And it's interesting because toxic employees are not the same thing as a disengaged employee, where disengaged yes. may be somebody who's uh, watching uh, Facebook or YouTube videos occasionally. The toxic employees are the ones that are really the cancers that are spreading mm -hmm. uh, the the illness, if you will, right. throughout the organization. And the disengaged really give you a, a, a message, basically. I either am taking, keeping this job because I need a livelihood, I'm not interested, you never listen to me. They're giving out messages when they're disengaged. Yeah. And how do you re-engage them? That's a process. Yeah, and that's part of what you do as well in the eLab environment. Yeah, the advisors will help with that, yes. Yeah. You said something to me previously about eLab about the advisors being able to look around corners. 
Mm. Yeah, talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of times when business owners are working in the business, as they say, they're not working on the business. Can you talk a little bit about what that expression means about looking around corners? Since my model is to have quarterly meeting like clockwork and monthly conference calls, um, the owners also or the CEO or the chair of the board, the advisory board, has the right to call any advisor when they see certain things go off track. Um, I think what happens, the board and the CEO get on the same page and we drive it forward. And we have to help the CEO to basically stay on the roadmap, which is very important. And we can see through conversations or just at the meeting when it goes off for whatever reason. Um, and our job is to keep that company on course because the CEO represents a company that has employees and, li and lives to take care of, right? Yeah. So keeping it on course is vital. And, you know, advisors are well-schooled on how to do that. Yeah, and I imagine there's a lot of topics that are generally taboo internally, but you guys aren't there, afraid to go there. Some topics are taboo at a board of directors. They have to... Um, but they're not taboo sometimes at the board of, of, of a board of advisors. Yeah. They speak very freely. And that's invaluable. Yes. How can people contact you if they want to learn more, if they'd like to work with you? Um, well, I'd say I'm on LinkedIn, and there's only one Candida Tocha CSOC, or <laughs> Candida CSOC on LinkedIn. And my mobile number is always available at 609-471-1188. I'm going to talk a little bit about family dynamics when you're working with a family-owned business. Well, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time, and we could probably spend an entire segment or more talking about yeah. that, but when you've got family dynamics, um, I would imagine there are times where some family members may feel alienated or threatened by these outside advisors. Uh, how do you deal with that? Oh, you embody them in. I've had situations where I actually was able to build a board because every other um, uh, advisor that they found did not want the first generation at the board, mm -hmm. the father, who was 88 at the time. I was the only one that said he belongs at the board. You embody them. Um, it was a family dynamic, second generation, and you embody them as part of the board, either on a presentation level or a conversation level, or I'm Italian, I do everything with food. <laughs> so there's always a dinner and a lunch or a breakfast. You involve them, you make them part of it, even if they don't want to be part of the company. They might not be working in the company, but they might have tons of criticism because they really don't get the full scope of what's going on. You embody them, you help them understand, and once you inform people in this conversation, you're going to have better results. Yeah. So I imagine growth uh, is one of the main reasons why people want to have outside advisors. Are there yes. other common themes yeah. why people would reach out to you in need of succession planning. Yeah. They want to make sure that the, the next person that runs the company, whether it's family or a partnership, is able to do that. So there's a lot of that besides uh, the family dynamics. Um, they would reach out if they, it, it's always about growth when they reach out to me. Yeah. I'm, not, um, I'm not good in the, in the space where they want to sell next year. You wouldn't hire me if you want to sell next year. Yeah, that's what I tell clients too when they call me. Yeah, it's, it's about, it's a process. Yes, it's If a you process. want to sell, uh, and you have to plan for that process to get the maximum out of the, the money that you're going to get for selling, right? right? And you have to make sure you take care of your employees when you sell. 
and I've been in several companies that have sold and they did take care of their employees so it was stable when I went forward. Um, growth is really my main thing. If you want to grow and you need help to get there, the advisors can help you, I can help you. Yeah, you've been recognized there. for award-winning growth programs, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, about that. I know you're modest, but brag a little bit. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to brag. But I know that. It's, to me, it's a simple thing. You respect where the company needs to go. You respect your employees. You're honest, you're honorable. You have conversation. You built a culture and growth happens. Yeah. People get on that ship because they're going to be happy about what they need to do because that's their own financial security. And they might not be making as much as the owners, um, but they might be making very well a financial uh, paycheck or whatever it is that their incentives, mm -hmm. and they're happy. Happy going to work means growth in a company. If you're just there because it's a paycheck, you're going to bring everybody else down. Yeah. Um, it's a simple theory. Uh, it's hard to keep in line, and that's the trick. I'm also fond of saying I can go into a company and find a needle in a haystack, pull the needle out, and still keep the company and the haystack up. That's an art. Yeah. I, I think my mother and my uh, grandfathers and my father probably gave me that nose, but they gave me the nose for real. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an art. Uh, because usually when you pull out the most, um, the needle of the haystack, the haystack comes down. It's an art to pull it out, keep a company forward, and make everybody else that are leaving that company in a positive way. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about succession planning in the couple of minutes we have left? Succession planning is difficult unless you really plan it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't happen in one day and it doesn't happen in one year. So if you're the the first generation or the second or the third and you want to pass it through, you have to start that plan two or three years ahead. Because it's not just you leaving the company, it affects every employee, especially if some of them have been with you 20 or 30 years. How do you do that and keep it positive? Yeah, no question. And there's a process and there are people that do it, uh, that do all the details of this very well. And just to be clear, you help put together that team when your clients are in need of I, the succession I, planning? I always tell everybody, I, I don't do the work. I just tell the client what they need to do, and then I bring in teams that do it, and then I oversight it. Yeah. And um, since I've been around quite a while, I have, and the advisors in eLab basically have a lot of expertise. So it's really kind of a Mission Impossible team that you bring in, identify needs of an organization, bring in the right people to sit in the right seats to help drive that business forward. Yes. If I were to summarize it succinctly. Very well. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to have to wrap. Okay. So thank you so much for joining us You're today welcome. on Behind the Numbers. My guest thank today you. was Candida Sisak, and we've been talking about advisory boards with eLab, executive leaders for advisory boards. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Thank you.